favorite. She was most people's favorite. I've no interest in impractical things, Eliza said, and turned her head the other direction to cool her cheek. It was almost a summer sun. When the troublesome creatures become a practical concern, I'll think more about them. It was an airy response, and she was pleased that it sounded sophisticated. Society ranked wit highly. Angelica usually got in the first thrust, but Eliza was learning to parry. She meant it, too. Mama believed selecting a husband was the most important choice in a girl's life. Angelica considered it the most fascinating. Not Eliza. To her, marriage was a faraway peak in the Catskills, lost in a dim haze. Eliza would study the route when required to make the journey. Until then, the boring subject of suitors could be ignored in favor of more lively ones. Rabbits, for example, were far more intelligent than commonly assumed. Raccoons were, too though they could be stinky and their razor claws were a hazard even as newborns. Pop and Jay, the bluebird she had snatched from the house cat, still visited Eliza's windowsill for breadcrumbs every morning. Tame or wild, all the animals she knew on the farm were far from dumb, though that's what ignorant, unimaginative people called them. The only boy who had ever caught her attention, and kept it more than a minute, was the mohawk she met the day that father yielded to her pleas to accompany him to the meeting of the Six Nations, after she vowed to be quiet the entire visit and promised never to bring snakes into the house again. It thrilled Eliza to persuade Papa and reinforced her feeling that if there was one thing she knew about herself, it was that she was convincing. What she didn't understand was why she couldn't forget the impetuous, reckless boy with the strong hands and fierce eyes. The other Skylar children were still asleep when she and Papa left that morning, except little Cornelia, who chewed on her braid and told Eliza that she would go too when she was grown up. Outside, the slaves had already stoked the fire at the smithy, and the gristmill and sawmills were humming. The doorway was dim, so Eliza couldn't see the disapproving expression on Diana's African face. She knew the housekeeper didn't think she should go, but no one questioned Colonel Philip Schuyler. So Diana only said, Mind your P's and Q's, Miss Betsy, when Eliza climbed into the calash. Despite the glimmering frost on the driveway, she tingled with excitement and didn't feel the chill. Prince, the eldest son of the other housekeeper, Maria, wore a livery of green and yellow that contrasted with his dark skin. He started the calash down the driveway of crushed white oyster shells that led away from the Schuyler estate, past the wheat fields and toward the sugar orchard where maples had just started to leaf. Diana and Maria managed every detail of the household between them. The preternatural efficiency of the Janus-faced housekeepers allowed Mistress Kitty, Eliza's mother, Catherine, to concentrate on the family's social responsibilities and the seemingly endless task of producing new Skylers. Mama had borne eleven children thus far, six still living. The sky lightened as they sped along the forested river road in the spring dawn. Wrapped in his thoughts, Philip Schuyler hardly spoke, though he patted Eliza's knee from time to time. Do you see that post, Betsy? her father asked, when they had driven an hour. That's the new parcel. Eliza recognized the marker, but nodded as if the information was new. She had never taken such a long and important trip with her father. He could count on her to pay attention, even better than Angelica, whose head was filled with falderall. The deep forest gave way to farmland again, as they neared the Mohawk Castle. Eliza had heard her father and other Albany men talk about Indian castles many times. She knew they couldn't possibly look like the European palaces pictured in books. Yet the phrase conjured grand and magical edifices, and she was terribly curious to see one.
she understood little about the purpose of the conclave, except that her father was worried that the conflict with Parliament might disrupt their peace with the Iroquois. Papa had inherited their Saratoga estate as a boy, when the Indians burned the house and murdered his uncle. Goodwill must never be taken for granted. The fields on either side of the carriage weren't very different from theirs. Rows of corn and oats looked well tended, and neat paths divided what might have been family parcels. Only the absence of fences was distinctive. The Six Nations didn't believe in owning cattle since deer were so plentiful, Papa once told her, so had no need to guard against wandering bovines. Eliza at last spied the village on a gentle hill overlooking the river. Stout tree trunks sharpened into spikes walled the large village. A warrior on a watchtower gazed over a spiky rampart to their carriage and beckoned them through the tall gateway. The calash finally wheeled to a stop in front of a brown bark longhouse that was not much of a castle to Eliza.